Hello there. This is Mo, seven-year season ticket holder and Pax and Pomichol's biggest fan. Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. Celebrate the 4th of July with the new FC Dallas Americana pre-match top from Adidas or one of the new era Americana hats available now on Soccer90.com. In addition to the new FC Dallas gear, check out the latest Dallas Burn gear from Mitchell and Ness. Shop Soccer90.com for all your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. And remember, Third Degree The Podcast listeners get 20% off their order when you use the code ThirdDegree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. Number, please. 168. 168 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, how you doing? I know, it's been a rough week. It's me, Peter, and I'm here to soothe you with my two good friends. First, all the way from Richardson, Texas, Dan Crook. You're all right, Peter. How you doing? I'm all right, Dan. Did you have a good day at work? It was all right. It was all right. Uh, you know, I had to watch two MLS Next Cup games while working, which was challenging, but okay. two times speed on, on YouTube is a magical thing, apparently. <laughs> Those kids must look really effing fast. And your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, the amazing editor, founder of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Uh, Peter, I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. Oh yeah, uh, I had no oh. idea Dan lived in Richardson. You, we've talked about this. I know, I know. I, when you just said that to him, I was like, I had no idea. I know we probably talked about it, but I can't remember that for some reason. So, in your tiny brain, your yeah. tiny Aggie brain, where did you think <laughs> Dan lived? I mean, you know, quote unquote, air quote, North Dallas. I mean, I kind of thought, sort of Addison-ish, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> See in my brain before I found out that he lived in in Arlington, uh, excuse me, Richardson, I thought he lived in Frisco. It was Addison before that. It see, was Addison. Addison. Oh, see, so I knew all right. See, so yeah, your tiny Aggie brain had something in there. Yeah, with the it's damn. so full of FC Dallas minutia down through like fifteen <laughs> layers of academy. That there's not much room for anything else. For like your your buddies and coworkers, yeah. Uh, yeah. like personal information. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what is? Wait, I got one. Yeah. Here's one. What is Dan's wife's first name? Oh shit! Well, he's not married. <laughs> he's not married yet. Uh, oh yeah. At least I know I he's not married. You guys got yet. hitched? No, not yet. Right, wait, Dan? Dan? Didn't you guys have a wedding? You're really putting me on the spot here, aren't you? <laughs> Dan, if you had a wedding and didn't invite well, me, well, you're I'm either be mad, married dude. or you're not. Why are you? Why are you holding off? It's technically both. It was. Uh, it was the the formality for for insure, so she could get insurance uh, when we started the business. And uh, it's a wedding the real of convenience. In no, no, the real wedding's in November. That was yeah, what we planned. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I've been invited to it. I was like, what? What are you? What are you talking about? It's right. a marriage of we convenience and the official thing. There's like oh, a movie okay. that starts like this. Yeah, really. No, we, we were just Lord. two of we were just one of the uh, thousands of <laughs> pandemic era couples that went. We need to we need to do the justice of the peace thing, and then like do our real one later on when people can 
move around and be around no, each I, other again. I like yeah. I like Buzz's idea of it being a movie script, a man and a woman, entrepreneurs looking to start a business, caught up in the pandemic, delayed by society, yeah. only to fall in love and find each other. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that if you got married to the Justice of Peace, that that counts, that that's official and you're yeah, married. That, yeah, you're <laughs> married, dude. It's the fake ones in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The real one happened. But you've, you've, just ruined, uh, you've just ruined a whole bit for the wedding now. Thankfully, the only person who's likely to listen to this is the officiant. But, you know, and he's already in on it. Well, Dan, if it's supposed I to be a secret, it. let me know. We'll, we'll redo the start of this thing and take it out. Boy, howdy. Okay, good times. Well, Dan, congratulations. Um, uh, and we still haven't figured out if Buzz knows your wife, soon to be wife's first name, but that's okay. We'll save that for another episode. Her name is you, Anna. There you go. See, you had too much time to look it up. Yeah, I did. You cheated. You totally <laughs> All, cheated. I, I played you. <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm just trying to vamp because I really don't want to talk about uh, yeah. Football Club Dallas. This has been a rather disappointing several days. Uh, we have Might two be. games to talk about. What'd you say, the, Dan? The under nineteens have, have had a couple of really good games. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. Do we just want to talk about MLS <laughs> Next Cup? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. No, we, we can do something <laughs> <Okay>. else. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, Saturday, I think the I, what I want to do first is I I want to I want to pay respect and homage to the FC Dallas supporters that made their way down to Austin to Q two because it was noted by. Louis Dollar, or is it Luis? I don't. I've never met him in person. It's Luis. Yep. It's Luis Dollar. Um, Mister Dollar, <laughs> God, I hope he goes by that. Uh, announced on Twitter that they, for the very first time, and I think he's correct because I don't ever remember anywhere getting even close to this. They sold out the entire allotment for away seats down at Q two, and those aren't cheap, by the way. So that's quite an achievement. And as many people noted, when you watch the game on television, there was a fair share of FC Dallas jerseys to be spotted in the general rest of the stadium, uh, and they had a very nice presence, at least they did on TV. So kudos to the supporters groups and those people that traveled down there for the game. Uh, I I was down there with Andy when they played there for the first time last year. It's a great place to see a game, and I hope everybody had a good time. Absent this, Dallas 2, Austin 2, and that comes after Dallas being up 2 nothing and blowing the most dangerous lead in soccer, Buzz. That's, uh, that one hurt. Yeah, first let me say that uh, the guy, Luis, uh, he's money. So... Yeah, blowing a lead like that against Austin. Look, Dallas is one of the youngest teams. Sorry, I just choke, choke grenade that in there. Dallas is one of the youngest teams in the league. So, you know, this is something we've talked about in previous history of this team. There have been eras when you're uh, – the last time I remember it happening was when Oscar was in charge and the team was was getting better step by step over the first few years of his reign. Uh, you have to learn how to close out games. You have to learn how to put games away. It doesn't happen automatically. Because when you get up a couple of goals, you tend to let off. That's why they always – the joke is that – uh, two nothing lead is the most dangerous lead in soccer. It's because of this very reason. People relax, and the other team comes back. Uh, I don't think they they did not adapt particularly well in that Austin game to the changes that Austin made. Um, but obviously, the big problem in that game was the particular play of um, Jose Martinez, who then immediately went on to the unable to play the next game list, being sick. So, I mean, when was he sick? Was he sick for the Austin game and just played sick? Uh, you know, either way. Not a good performance by the team collectively, and it wasn't just him, of course. 
other people could have done things to close that game out, but he was the one that looked particularly rough. Uh, in terms of an adaptation to uh, what has been a problem lately, which is some verticality, people counterattacking Dallas and getting at them in a direct way and making Martinez have to turn and try and run with people, that's his weakness. Uh, and they're exploiting that. And, and Hedges lately has been lumbering a little bit too. And so that's also been a little rough for him. So uh, multifaceted problem right now that dealing with that, that uh, aggressive verticality that was happening. Dan, did you, uh, uh, did you write up a review of this particular game? I can't remember. Um, no, I intended to, but uh, unfortunately I've been stuck doing this uh next cup we're getting ready for your fake wedding <laughs> no no i uh the league asked me to to cover mls cut next cup so i didn't realize it was nine days of watching a shit ton of games okay well so i guess the question i have here because this is really where we're at at this point in the last six games dallas is one win four losses and one tie and really what i find most alarming <clears throat> and buzz i think this is gonna you know uh, yeah. turn into the conversation about what happened last night out in la is the fact that you know we spent a lot of time on this podcast lauding the fact that maybe the greatest surprise of this season so far had been the fact that it had gone from the worst defense in the league last year to one of the best defense in the league this year. And that was true up until they went to Vancouver. And since then, they have given up at least two goals, uh, with the exception of the win in Orlando, in every game. And last night, for the first time this season, gave up three goals. They've given up 10 goals yeah. in six games. Yeah, over those six games, they've given up 12 goals exactly. So they're averaging two goals a game. You're not going to win a lot of games when you give up two goals a game. That's the bottom line. They're still scoring eight goals scored. They got two guys in the top five in, in goals without penalties. You know, I think even top three, maybe even. So, you know, offense is fine. It's it's just the defense. And you can go back over these six games. Vancouver, right? Vancouver game, I went and looked them up. Vancouver game is Hedges and Tafari with Edmund in front of them. It's a loss. Minnesota, Martinez and Tafari with Faco in front of him is a loss. Orlando, Hedges and Martinez with Faco. That's a win. Says in the trend yet. Vancouver, mm -hmm. Martinez and Tafari with Faku, loss. Austin, Hedges and Martinez come back, tie. LAFC, Hedges and Tafari, loss. I'm not suggesting that Tafari is the problem. What I'm suggesting is unfit Hedges and Martinez together is a problem. When those two guys are not fit and together, this defense is terrible. And that's the bottom line. When those two dudes cannot play in combination – then that means Hedges can't deal with the pace and the aggressive and the physicality, and Martinez can't game read. And if you want to look at LA specifically, I, in my instant reactions, I mentioned that I was really surprised that Hedges maintained his job as the aggressive sort of come hit you and track you center back, and Tafari took Martinez's spot as the stay-at-home-and-cover guy. Well, that's to me, that's backwards, because Tafari's inexperienced, and he is big and physical and strong and fast, they should have flipped those roles and let Tafari hit people and chase people and let Hedges cover and read the game and make those stay-at-home kind of last-ditch plays. So you can just look back over these last six games and you can just see where the, total, the disconnect is happening and why this, this meltdown is happening. When your two center backs, your two starting center backs are out of whack, it's not going to be good enough. You can swap out whatever six you want. You can put in Tafari as much as you want. 
Now, I'm not knocking Tafari. I love Tafari. I wish that he was the starter over Martinez. But in order to do that, you've got to give him the whole season. You have to understand that there are growing pains that are going to happen. You can't just throw him in and expect him to be like lights out. It's just not going to happen. So um, it's clear as day what the problem is. Okay. So the problem is clearly uh, inconsistency in the center back area. Yeah. And also the fact that they just don't have, other than Tafari, a healthy center back to count on, but I want to I want to kind of pick this apart player by player because the Martinez effort in the Austin game, I, you know, somebody may come back to me and say, "Well, Peter, he really was he really wasn't feeling well." Yeah. Um and and that's why he ended up sick for the LA game. But I I'm going to I'm going to push back on that. I think as as I think he tries really hard to be an organizer, but there were clear moments in that game that were problematic in two ways for me one is is I feel like Martinez spends way too much time worrying about what everybody else is doing and not focusing enough on what he's supposed to be doing especially because of part two which is the dude just isn't very good at defending an open space and the first goal uh, where he gets beat on that, um, well, we should probably mention real quick, Velasco's donkey touch in the opposing box, which starts the entire sequence. But then the ball launched upfield, and uh, Martinez is just really poor and awful uh, attempt to try to manage that situation where he just gets bodied off the ball, and then it just all goes sour from there, um, is just another piece of evidence that he's just terrible at defending in space. And then two... Uh, on the second goal, where he makes no effort to either A, attack a ball, or B, defend the guy that he is totally unaware of has left him behind and ends up scoring the tying goal. And I swear we see that a lot with this guy. Um, And again, we talk about this a lot. We get people that show up with these resumes from Europe, and we all make assumptions that they're going to be great players. And I always wonder... If there's a dude with that kind of resume coming from that kind of league that suddenly is available to play for an MLS team that isn't on the coast, sometimes you just got to ask yourself, why is that the case? And more times than not, Rito Ziegler being the odd exception to this rule, uh, we find out that maybe they're just because they're not, you know, top-notch, really, really, really good players at their position. Yeah, Reto was a little bit old. I think that's why we saw that. Um, I'm going to throw Nano under the bus because I thought he had a nightmare 20 minutes in the middle of that game. And that's a great example of, for me, yes. when I mentioned a player, like they're like, oh, he's coming from, uh, you know, Porto. He's got a great a resume. Champions like, League that's team. exactly the problem. It's like if they're dumping him, you don't want him. Uh, but I agree with you that there's a clear weakness with Martinez that you mentioned is that defending in space. I think Steve uh, uh, Davis even mentioned it in his keys. You know, for me, it's when, He's playing that. He's clearly he's playing a sort of it's not a sweeper role, but he's definitely this stay at home guy supposed to read the game, anticipate and cover up for people. Well, that's fine unless the guy coming at him is a guy that just blisters him. And that's when he runs into trouble, you know, because he can't keep up with that guy. And, and if Hedges is caught up field or if uh, our fans caught up on a field on the other side, then he's in trouble and guys just run right past him. So. You know, and, and then you combine that with dudes that aren't getting tracked that are running into that space, and it's even worse. So you know, do you guys rem- do you remember the first piece of evidence of this, which was his second game for the club? It was out in San Jose, oh. and that kid Cal just screwed him into the ground. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. That. And that was the first time I saw that happen. I went, wow, I would have never expected that out of a guy with that pedigree. And I swear we've seen it happen five or six times since. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely you know I think we've reached a point now where people in the league have seen enough tape of Dallas that they now recognize these deficiencies. And this is where the coach is going to have to come in. And they're going to have to either solve the deficiencies with some tactics or with personnel or with some coaching or something beyond just the fact that people are banged up. You know, they're going to have to solve this deficiency. And, and I don't know that I have an answer actually for how you solve this one. <laughs> Other than no. play Tafari a whole lot, but I'm not sure Dan that we're ready for that. Are we? Uh, base playing Bartlett. Yeah, that's true. It does. So the Hedges situation last night against, and we're kind of, I guess the best way to do this is just kind of talk about both games at the same time. Um, But the Hedges situation last night, because there were lots of people noticing Hedges' shortcomings for both of the L.A. goals. Um, He gets tracked way out in the middle of the field. Uh, There's a counterattack, a turnover, and he can't catch up to his guy. Uh, And in uh, a similar situation on the second goal where, you know, the, the LAFC striker just, just blast past him on a through ball and he yeah. is he's just hopeless and and there were clear moments in the game where he's so obviously not healthy that there were opportunities for him to try to do something and he didn't even try to do it because I just don't think physically he could I think he's in really bad shape yeah he was banged up in the Austin game we had heard and then he specifically when I was watching the rear not the rear when I was watching the airing here that I had in my house he clearly rolls his ankle on the sideline like at about the 60th minute. And at that point, that was after the first goal when he got caught up field and needed somebody to cover for him and nobody did. Um, but he rolled his ankle. And then after that, he clearly lost any burst that he has. And so guys were just running by him right and left. And again, that led me to like, why is there not a switch off of roles from the beginning, number one? But number two, once he did that, you know, it's some recognition of, okay, put him in more of that set home role. Um, because it's a problem, you know, it, 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 it doesn't help as you say that Bartlett's not, I mean, what does it say that a 40% hedges was still in there and Bartlett was on the bench, you know, and also Quinones is apparently going to be out for a bit. So it's like, they're, they're really shallow at center back. And it definitely is, uh, an, an issue to say the least, because even if you get hedges healthy, you know, Martinez is not going to get any better. He's 28, 29 hedges is what 32. It's like center back is obviously there is no great center back. As much as I like Tafari's potential, he would still have to play in a couple of years. So if you think you're competing for championships over the next two seasons, you, you have a problem at center back. Dan, I just want to, because you are uh, you tend to be a, a person of reason, are, are Buzz and I being unfair to Martinez? Is, is he, is he Are these performances of late of his because he's not healthy, or are we right that maybe he's just not that great? Uh, when you said people were excusing uh his performance because of an illness that came later. Uh, the first thought that came into my head was, hey, it's not because he had the shits that he was the shits. <laughs> okay. Well, that seems uh, cutting and hard. Well but, uh, uh, all right. Well, so if that, I just, I wonder if, if you feel the same way we do. Yeah. No, no it's, uh, he, he's, he's definitely the stopgap guy. Uh, Ideally, until Tafari becomes like a, a regular MLS starter level, or uh, or something better comes along. Okay, so this is going to take me to the other part uh, that re- is the difference between the Austin game and the LAFC, LAFC game, which is the difference between Faku and uh, Cerio. Um Because last night in the LAFC game, I sent a note to you guys at some point during the game, and I said, I feel like Nico is playing with three midfielders playing as eights. 
Yeah, that, that, that's relatively on point. Um, Edwin's best part of his game, the thing he does better than Faku, is progressive play. You know, picking it up and dribbling and combining going forward. So, you know, he can do that and Faku doesn't. Faku's a sit-at-home, uh, pure defensive kind of six. He sits a little bit deeper than Edwin even. So it, that's why Faku usually gets the starts on the road. And obviously with back-to-back games, it seems pretty clear to me that Edwin was in um, as a rotational change. You know, and you're going to have a trouble uh, at L.A. anyway, and perhaps you're looking to play a little more progressive with them, you know. But then I watched the game, and I thought, well, that sure looks like a team trying to kill a game. So I'm not 100% sure that was the right strategy with Edwin. The, the, base, the bottom line is that with Edwin is I don't think that performance is going to get him more starts. It's like he's got to figure out how to combine that really – uh, high-level, energy, tenacious tackling Edwin with this progressive Edwin that we've seen this year. So, you know, it's going to be on Edwin to figure that out, and that's part of his progression. Here's the bottom line for me. Both of these guys we're talking about, Martinez and Facundo, both of them are far enough along in their careers that they're basically not going to get any better. They're basically, they're developed, they're flatlined in their career, they are who they are. So what you have to, I think what you have to do is you have to say to yourself, can I win an MLS Cup with those two guys? And if the answer is no, one or the other independently, I'm not talking about them together. If the answer on each of the one of them is no, then they shouldn't be playing. Then you should be playing the person who you think could win an MLS Cup with you if I give them two or three seasons. You know, maybe they think there's a short window with Jesus and Paxton that they got to go now. You know, maybe I can buy that. But then you're saying to me that, that Facundo and Martinez are two dudes you think you can win MLS Cup with or Ima or... Obreon or whoever you or Cervania who is up and down this year like a roller coaster. You know, you have to you have to decide whether you're winning now or you're playing for the long term. Decide which it is and do that and stop doing both. Well, I, that's an interesting comment, Buzz, because I think all of us feel like that this season has exceeded expectations. And even in that case, the best they've gotten to is third or fourth in the table. And I don't know if anybody, even with those expectations exceeded, any of us have had dreams of winning MLS Cup or even making it to the Cup final uh, this year. So I, I'm with you, man. I, I I would rather see that homegrown trio get an opportunity to grow and gel and really turn into something. Um, so I'm really confused. Unless unless Nico just thinks it's just so bad or so undependable that he just feels like it's not those guys aren't people that he can count on. Yeah, I, the the problem, of course, is is that if you don't win games, you get fired. You'd have to hope that. That they would have enough faith in him to give him a couple of years because, you know, as it's going now, if you're not going to play in the guys, you know, because look at Tafari, like the biggest knock on him, of course, is like his game reading and his experience. You know, coach mentions things about passing, but I think he passes fine. It's, it's the, it's the reading in the brain. It's, it's not, doesn't have enough information. And the only way to get him better is just to play the dude. You know, you're not going to play him in North Texas. That's a waste of time. So unless you send him right. to a USL championship team, at some point you got to play the dude. And meanwhile, we're just treading water with Martinez. And the thing is, is that right now Martinez is better. When you play Tafari right now, you lose games. But it's like, what what are we doing? Are we are we trying to make the championship this year? I think that's ridiculous. So it's like you got for me, you got to be playing for a two or three year cycle, and that's why I don't understand why you're not playing Tafari. Dan, maybe you have an answer to that question. No, I think um, I mean, I think I think Nico played it wrong in general yesterday. Um, but 
I wonder how much of it has to do with organizational expectations. We know the hunts, you know, treat seventh as if it's first. It's, you know, you're in the lottery. Uh, they've mentioned the possibility of a home game. So fourth is a bonus, but seventh is, is the goal. Um, you know, and uh, you said, do you win an MLS Cup with uh, Faku or Martinez? Not necessarily. Do you get seventh place? Potentially. That's a good point. Well, okay. And maybe that is the, the expectations from the front office and the ownership, but I certainly don't think that's the expectations of the fan base based on how the season has gone. I, I guess I, I guess last night, in terms of the difference between the Austin and LFC game, is are you surprised, Buzz, that Nico, knowing what he was going into, didn't try to throw up maybe a different lineup or a different formation and maybe try Surio and Faku as a double pivot? Um, I'm not surprised. Especially um, considering, you know, you know his center back situation. Nico seems to be a strong, strong believer in a single pivot. I can't recall them actually playing a double pivot. Now, there have been times where they've sort of, when they've brought Hara in and Jesus right. is playing more as a pure 10, that you can kind of claim that's a double pivot, but um, it's almost always chasing a game, and Paxson's really playing and still is a higher eight. You know, it's more like um, the way Oscar kind of used to play with the, with, the, with the middle eight look. It's not really a double pivot. So, um I, 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 I've never that I can recall seen him use extensively like an actual legitimate double pivot. So for whatever reason, that's not in the cards. Um, even when we've seen Edwin Faku together, Faku usually has ended up sliding forward more as an eight, which is weird because you'd think it would be Edwin and not Faku, but um, it's sort of backwards to me. But but I think if you if you want to try a different formation, the one they've had success was with is a four four two or a four four one one if you prefer when they use O'Brien and Areola kind of drop back his wings a little bit and flank those guys and then and Jesus is sort of an off striker kind of look. They've used that at stretches in games with, to be effective, but not not ever from the start. So I think he's pretty married to uh, that shape, you know, he doesn't seem willing to, I, I don't remember them actually starting a game with a back three yet either, even though they've used that late in games, you know, he seems to be very locked into the idea that I'm going to play out the way I want to play and then see what you do. And then I'm going to adapt for some reason. So going back to the Austin game, you mentioned this earlier, Nico, not making the adjustments or at least the team, not handling Austin's adjustments yeah. very well. They really struggled as Austin just kind of turned on the, the faucet. Uh, and, and, and it was, you know, the, those were individual mistakes, uh, that created both of those goals, but the team in general was really struggling overall the last 20, 30 minutes of that game to keep up with Austin. Yeah, I can't remember which player I thought it was um, that came in. It may have been um, Jitty, their uh, the big, uh, heavy-bodied striker that's really fast. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, they mm -hmm. had trouble. Yeah. Yeah, Martinez in particular had real trouble with him, um, and and he of course does a really nice job of using his movement to alternate. Like he he wouldn't leave it where because they're not going to man mark right. Dallas isn't so like he would he would cut across the lane from a little bit wide in particular, like there were two or three times where Nano didn't track him and he just went like gliding right through the formation 
you know, and was all of a sudden he was like Martinez was like, oh crap, and he would try to cover him, and he wouldn't be able to do it. So they really struggled with that adaptation. You know, the, the, shortly after that, they subbed in. Um, he's not been seeking the settling for Brandon. And I'm like, that doesn't solve the problem that we're seeing. You know, I don't know what would have. The only thing I can think, I can think back to when Lucci used to talk about using three at the back uh, because it narrows the spaces between the center backs. So like really at that point, that might've been the best option to try and close that game out for my mind. But um, that's not what he went with. And it wasn't until, you know, much later that we then saw Obreon coming for lap for Velasco again. I don't know if that helps you. I, mean, I guess that one at that point the idea was to get behind L. Uh, sorry, Austin and make Austin sit back because they were really coming at him at that point. I think he was hoping to pin them back a little bit with Obreon playing over the top. That didn't really work, and it wasn't until like the 85th minute that he finally brought in Tafari for Pomacall. You know, and it was that was what the extra guy came on, and by then it was two to two. You know, it was after the goal that it happened. Now, now. Was Dan, was it post game that he said that he was trying to get him on and couldn't get him on before the goal happened? But uh, supposedly I didn't do yeah. press conferences. But you know, that they made that change like in the 63rd minute, and it wasn't like 20 minutes later that they finally got to bring Tafari in. And I'm like, that's two goals in 20 minutes too late. That should have happened like within five or 10 minutes. You should have recognized what was going on and gotten that guy in, I thought. Uh, watching the game, yeah. that's what I thought anyway. I was like, why are this not, what is this not happening? But I mean, easy for me to say, right? I'm sitting over here later on watching the game, you know, talking out my butt. But uh, it seemed pretty clear at the time that there's a big problem happening and adjustments are not being made to deal with it. I feel like uh, we can all agree that Paxton and Jesus are having really nice, solid seasons. Uh, Paxton was outstanding in the Austin game, I thought. Uh, Jesus last night had a whole weird, different vibe to him. Um, a very determined uh, uh, style of play. Like His defensive work was outstanding. Um, and I felt like he was trying to do the whole thing by himself, which isn't a great thing, but it was cool to see him do that. Uh, so uh, setting that aside, the one thing that I continue to be confused by is this um, ensebling Cervania mix. And, and you know, so Brandon starts the uh, or ensebling starts the Austin game and Cervania comes on for him. And then in L.A., in, uh, LA the opposite happens. And I can't quite figure out what is going on there and why Cervania, who is obviously the senior player, the veteran player, is not getting uh long-term uh runs and finishing games in the same way that maybe uh, Paxton has been yeah for me Brandon's been a little up and down this year I mean I, I think it's pretty clear in the coach's mind that he and Siki are basically neck and neck and at this point in the season which is a shame because I thought at the beginning of the year I thought Brandon was playing really well but um now they're kind of split in time almost so that that battle's gotten really close Usually, Siki's got a lot of late-game energy and a lot of uh, movement and aggressiveness, but he was way late coming across on that last goal <laughs> to get in front of that guy. I mean, man, granted, that was a bomb of a shot, but he was... I mean, at that point, Hedges didn't have enough to come out. Um, Nanu had come into the game, so he wasn't going to go close the guy down because, you know, that's not what he does. And uh, Siki was left... I mean, actually, that goal actually reminded me of last year when it's like, where's the six coming across to cover this guy? you know, when you had a double pivot and they were all sort of waiting for Tsiki to come over and he didn't until too late. So, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's one I quite don't understand. Uh, to me, Tsiki doesn't have the experience yet that Brandon does. I think Brandon's got 
more polished at this point in his career. But Seeky does have some upside. So, you know, if you want to compare it to the other things, it's like if, if he really thinks Seeky's got the bigger future, that he might be trying to get Seeky up to where he can play him and start him all the time. And maybe Brandon's going to be sitting eventually. I, I don't think I like that idea, but, um, you know, he obviously thinks very highly of Seeky. All right, but Dan, if we're th- if we're having an honest conversation about the thinness of this roster and options off the bench, am am I wrong for questioning why its best option off the bench is like a late I think second round draft pick from just a few months ago is the guy you're turning to in in Zebling? Uh, I mean, yeah, when you feel like it's not a, an amazing option. I mean, he's just the high energy guy if you're chasing a game uh, or you just need someone flying about the field putting a tackle and he's kind of the the go to um you, I mean you'd I like don't to have I I mean I don't want to dog on him too hard I mean he is just a rookie but I, I it this is one of those deals where I'm a little bit frustrated with the the building of the roster. I know they've done a lot of really nice things this year, but we've been we've been uh, uh, wondering about this center mid position for some time. We still haven't seen Thomas Roberts come in, um, and which I think says something about that situation that he's been here all this time, and I don't even know if he's making the 18 at all. Um, and the fact that Enzebling is the guy that they seem to turn to uh, in this center mid position, I really wish they had like a real veteran player uh, that they could have turned to at this point. Yeah, that we- Ricarte maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've could been you imagine Ricarte in this formation? It would be nice. That that's actually a problem we've been talking about since the offseason, though. Like I, yeah. I thought it was going to be um, Blaine Ferry. I mean, I thought he'd won that job. And I even I asked Coach Lye, he looks great, he's with you. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's been phenomenal. He's, he's going to be joining us all year. And then he hasn't been in a single time as near as I can tell. You know, so I don't know what happened to that. Maybe there's some kind of contractual problem or maybe he just changed his mind. But, you know, he was that was supposed to be the guy. And we, we've definitely identified that position and probably center back and right back as spots that maybe they'll do something in the window because there's definitely some deficiencies in this roster for sure. But they're also got their hands tied with some of these contracts still. Yeah, well, I mean, here we are. We're it, it, they're getting into the real meat of the season, and they're not on a run good a, a good run of form at all. Uh, you know, with only one win in their last six games, and all the goals they're giving up, they've got to figure out some solution to their set to their defensive problems. Um, and let me also say this: I'm not a hundred percent convinced that all of their problems defensively are isolated exclusively at center back either. By the way. No, um, the right back's obviously an issue. I mean, I like Ema better than I like Nanu. I think I've pretty much stated that pretty unequivocally. The The problem, if you will, with Ema, I, I kind of hit me today, was that um, he's a decent defender and he's a decent offensive player, but he's not great at either one of them. He's almost caught in between. You know, Farfan's a pretty much a defensive first guy, really good defensively. You know, it's okay on the offense. So Ema's kind of caught in no man's land. He's not great at either one. Nanu is pro, is, is better at the offensive part, but he's such a mess defensively that you can't, in my mind, you can't really have him out there with the, the mess you're having between your six, not playing well and your center backs being banged up. So, you know, a lot of these things are all systemic from, you know, one thing starts to go wrong and it all starts to fall apart more than six games ago. This team was a great defensive team. So, you know, you have hope that they'll find that again, you know, if your center backs are healthy and then the outside is not nearly a big a deal, 
you know, so it's all cas- cascading. <laughs> it is. And and it also when you talk about the fact that on the offensive end, uh, they aren't converting uh, as they were earlier in the season in terms of, you know, again, they're still not a high chance creation team. That's the one constant yeah. uh, through this season. What has changed is they're just not converting at the rate they were uh, prior to about six weeks ago. Yeah, but, I, you know, when you have two guys doing what they're doing up top, I think you're okay. You know, um, I mean, I, Ferreira's already at numbers that I thought he was going to be for the whole year. So, you know, he's far exceeding that. And so I don't think that's a problem at all. I think if those guys aren't overcompensating for what's happening behind them, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to comment that it's, um, I think it's a real bonus for this organization that you have Jesus and Paxton. Are, how many years, Dan, Peter and Dan, have we talked about how this club was missing these difference makers, right? These guys that could do something special. And all of a sudden, Jesus and Paxton can both do that. Paul Ariola can do that too. So they now have, without spending like obscene, like $100 million contracts on these crazy signings, they've got guys that can do that. So they've set themselves up really well in terms of being able to do some stuff with their roster going forward over the next couple of years because of those guys. Once you get rid of a couple of contracts, they're probably, you don't want right now. So um, offensively, I'm, I'm very content. You know, we, we only have to worry a little bit about Velasco versus Obreon. Nice to see that rotation, by the way, which put Paul on the left, switched it up and got Obreon trying to get behind people. That's a little different. I don't mind that rotation. Velasco's not been killing it. So, you know, there, there's some work to be done there. But um, between Paxson and, and Ariel and Jesus and, and, and even Cervania, some games, I think you're fine offensively. It's just, just straighten out the defense and you'll get back to where you're winning games again. All right. Well, uh, yeah, okay, I, I will generally agree with you, but I, I will push back a little bit, at least in terms of offense. I still feel like there is some significant dysfunction with this team, especially when an, when their opponent decides to sit in some sort of mid or low block, that they're still not good at breaking that down. The Velasco situation continues to bother me a little bit. Uh, in the Austin game in particular, he really started poorly, and was flopping a lot, and I, I swear there was a moment in the game where he fell to the ground holding his face only to realize that he hadn't been touched in the face, and he got up, and suddenly his game changed because I think he realized he had embarrassed himself, and then he had that really wonderful play to create the goal uh, in the Austin game, and then he didn't start the game in L.A., and when he did come on, he was largely ineffective. Um and so the other issue with the L.A. game that really stuck out to me in the first half, Buzz, was that L.A., very unlike L.A., literally, without any pressure, turned the ball over in their defending third in the first half and just gave the ball to Dallas on a bad, terrible pass, what, three or four or five times. And I was really disappointed that Dallas failed to turn any of those turnovers into dangerous opportunities, much less shots on goal. Yeah, I think there. I, I remember some missed opportunities early where I thought, oh, they're going to they're gonna want that one back. Um, you know, the... LA is a very difficult place to play. And I think this team probably had some recognition that it was a national game and this is one of the best teams. And I, I, I point, what I will point to is what you talked about with Jesus, the way he was trying to do everything 
and was trying and was playing like really big with big personality, which he does anyway, but it was even more strong in this game, you know, and maybe there was a little bit of like national nerves. I, I know that that sounds like you might be thinking, that's crazy. We're talking about professionals, but they, remember this is a young team. So, and that's a big stage and, and, and LA is definitely blessed with a lot of really salty veteran players who know how to take advantage of a lot of this gamesmanship kind of stuff. Like in the first 15 minutes, I thought there were six or seven times where there was just a sort of normal little contact and a foul. And the LA guys were making these big histrionic deals out of it, getting in the referee's ear and trying to influence them. I thought, man, look at the, look at the gamesmanship and the, and the savvy those dudes have that, you know, Dallas doesn't really have a lot of that yet. You know, uh, you could really, for me, you could really see those differences. And I think, I think you can't undersell that sometimes, you know, like their worst player is really good. <laughs> so they're not a bad team. Yeah. They're getting better. Uh, know, obviously right? with, with some of those crazy ass additions. I, I do want to highlight cause we dog on uh hot air a lot and not that he was outstanding last night, but he had one of the nicest passes I've uh, seen from this club in some time. And it's, it's the best pass I've ever seen him make that through ball. He put in, I think to Ariola uh, going left to right last night was a thing of beauty. And it was a real disappointment that Dallas didn't turn that into an opportunity too. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, honestly, it's, you know, f- forget some of it, move on, try and get the season back on tracks. It kind of goes back to, the overall thing kind of goes back to what Peter was saying after the Vancouver game. You know, forget the three-week break. This is now becoming a run of form, not just a blip that goes away after the break. Yeah, July, obviously, uh, as we talked about last week, doesn't get much easier. Now, they have the July 4th game on Monday against Miami. Um, and I would assume everybody would like to think that that's a an Ugh. easy win, but I don't think it's as easy as everybody thinks it's going to be. It's a must uh, Miami, win. yeah, it's a must win. But Miami, uh, by the way, everybody is uh, uh, won three of their last four games. Ooh. Now, the, all three of those were home games. Uh, they lost their game, their last road game on the road at Atlanta, and their previous road game was in Philadelphia, where they tied zero zero. Um, uh, you know, I, I, this schedule does not do them any favors because then there's the Houston game, which is obviously probably going to be the debut of uh, uh, Double H. Eche, eche. Yeah. Um, I'm dying to know what impact that guy has on that team. Then they've got uh, NYCFC here, and then Austin comes to town. Uh, I mean, this is a busy July. I mean, holy crap. There are one, two, three, four, five, six games. Salt Lake, come, then they have to go to Salt Lake, and then they go and uh, have the Galaxy here in town. At least four of them are home games, you know. So, granted, some of those are good teams, but you can, you can hopefully you can use the, this – this four of six at home to get your mojo back and get things going back in the right direction. You know, home cooking does a lot of good in this league. It's such a heavy, heavy home structure that way, you know, and you'd like to think that you can compete pretty well against Houston and Austin, even though they're both much better, you've still done well with them. Obviously New York city is a worry. Salt Lake's a worry and, and they did pretty well against LA. So there are some chances in this month to get it going a little bit. Um, cause if you start to go South here in this month, Oh, it's just going to go South in a hurry. And the standings are tight. It's like two wins from like second to 12th. So it's like, you can go down 
really quick. I, I said that without looking this time. About I'm looking for you while we're yeah. talking. <laughs> so, I mean, it's tight enough that like, you know, a few wins either way. And you could you could go into the cellar fast if other teams are, are getting it going. Um, I mean, obviously, in the big picture, like you'd have to have multiple teams get it going. But if you stop winning games, you're going to be in the bottom half in a hurry. Uh, this this season is just not even half over. I don't think we're right short of it. So, well, they're at twenty six points on seventeen games, which is the same as Nashville, but they're ahead of Nashville on goal differential by one. And then it's L A in sixth with twenty four, Seattle in seventh with the last place in twenty three. Portland sits just beneath them at twenty two. So you are just four points away from missing the playoffs. Yeah, you are ten points away now from first place. Yeah, and Seattle's gone from first from last to like seventh in like three weeks, you know. Oh yeah, they've they've their annual let's return yeah. to being the best team in the league. Right. Uh ramp up has started. Colorado's just Colorado's could turn around any minute. Kansas City just signed a couple of dudes. You know, Portland, I mean, LA Galaxy are still pretty good. You know, it's it, you could you could be out of this thing in a hurry if you don't get it straightened out. You know, I don't want to dwell on that though. You know, I think you got to stay. Sometimes you got to stay in the moment. You got to look at like, look, we got a game against Miami coming up. We got to solve our defensive problem. You know, we got to figure out what that is. Let's work on that, and then I think you'll be okay. All right, so let's look at that then, Buzz and Dan. Let's uh, whoever wants to answer this. Let's just work under the best case scenario that both Martinez, he his tummy ache is gone, he's okay, and whatever ouchy uh, uh, Matt has is okay uh, by Monday. Now, what I want both of you guys to help me figure out is what is this best team starting 11? Yeah, I, I think you have to, and I want to hear what Dan says too. I think you have to think about this idea. Is Dallas trying to win games to sell tickets or are they trying to win a championship? If you're trying to win games to sell tickets, then you're just going to be Martinez and Hedges all the way with probably Ema on the right. If you're trying to actually win a championship, and with Faku in front of him. If you're trying to actually win a championship, then it should be Tafari instead of Martinez, and it should be Evan instead of Faku. It's going to cost you some games. It might even cost you the playoffs. But that's my, that's my take, is that you got to decide which one you are. When you say winning a championship, do you mean this season or no. down the road? No. I, well, I'll go on the record and say I think it's impossible to win a championship this season. There's just no way. Okay. You have too much dead weight. The roster's not right. You have too many holes. You can't deal with certain kinds of defenses. You don't have enough to win a championship this season, in my opinion, without getting crazy lucky, which you never know. So that's what I mean by like, are you winning to sell tickets? Are you trying to win so you can claim you're playing for a championship so you can claim you're going to be in it and try and sell a bunch of tickets and make money? If that's what you're trying to do, then Martinez plays and Faku plays and probably eventually Nanu plays. If you're trying to actually win a championship, then you need to play for two seasons down the line and you need to play so far as much as possible Maybe you even try and figure out who the hell's going to replace Hedges because he'll be 34. That's going to be tough, you know. So that's the big question is which one of these are, are you trying to do? And and I don't have an answer to that. I don't, I don't think they would admit which one it is. I think they would probably claim that they're competing for a championship this year. I think that's disingenuous and nuts. But that's what they'll probably tell you. So it'll be Martinez and it'll be Faku probably. Dan, Dan? go. Oh, problem, I think the problem is... I said before, they they in their own mind are playing for a championship by trying to finish seventh. So it's, it's still kind of that hybrid, right? Um, yeah, um, I think you're right about you know 
my you know martinez and, and faku if it's if the object is to stay compact and just just be there or thereabouts i think and like say if if you're going if you're shooting down the line i think you know velasco is a must i think to fire you've got a see does he become a starting uh, center back in major league soccer or is he always just going to be kind of the fast guy off the bench does edwin become a true full season guy because we started to think this was going to be the season and it hasn't been the season and uh you know, we saw a lot of deficiencies in just his game awareness, his positional awareness last night, uh, particularly on that first goal when he decided to try and play striker rather than uh, defending. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it, this is a team that's that's always gone young, and it's it's not a, a contender. It, it it doesn't hurt to go young and and just kind of punt down the road and try and build to that you've got forever tied down for some time you've got uh you've got Ariola tied down right now you know you've, you've got some promise it's just you, you haven't got the centre-back pairing that has been the staple of every MLS Cup team you've you've got holes in the midfield that you kind of want to fill so go young hmm well, it certainly feels like a very different tone from just a few weeks ago. Where we were all chipper and happy and feeling good about ourselves, isn't it? Well, I still think it's true that this team has played above all of our expectations. I think that's definitely true. I think that there's a lot of pieces of it that look really nice and actually make me think that there's some stuff you can really build with here. You know, and like I said, the fact that you have guys that are playing at DP level out of your academy gives you, like one of them actually is paid like a DP, but... You know, right. that kind of performance. Well, he is a DP. Yeah, th those kind of performances and that kind of ability to make special things happen give you more opportunities because now you could buy a DP center back, you know, if you wanted to, or you could buy a $9 million 19-year-old left wing if you wanted to. You know, you have these options of doing these other things. Um, you know, so I, I, again, remember how much they talked about how much of a process it was at the beginning of the year, you know, and then all of a sudden they're acting like this is the championship season by some playing some of these guys that are like, why are you playing that dude? If it's a process, play the kids, let's make it a process. So there's a disconnect there. And I'm sure the coach would tell you differently if you talk to him, but you know, and I'm sure he will tell me differently when I do talk to him, but, but you know, it's, it's been, you lose, it's been you lose, you go one, four and one over six, Peter, that definitely changes the way you think about your team. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. It's been a you know a funny season. In some ways, it's been a very typical FC Dallas season. Start hot, flounder over the summer, and then see what happens at the other side of it. <laughs> We're not you into know. July yet. <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, you know, there's been June. I think there was an August where they didn't score a single goal in a June one year. But you know, you, you get around this time, and FC Dallas falls away a little bit. Um, I think the difference this year is where Seattle's normally uh, a team that starts off badly because they're in Champions League. Colorado did, Minnesota did, Portland did, uh, LAFC for the first few weeks looked a bit shaky. Suddenly, Dallas was was in second, then briefly in first, and you kind of buy into the hype of the new era, and really, and then 
Well, now we're watching Seattle now in the playoffs. They were at the bottom of the table just a few weeks ago. You know, we talked about Houston may suddenly be less crap and Colorado may turn the corner and sporting Kansas City signing a couple of players. San Jose getting rid of their coach. Maybe that kind of starts to get rid of the toxic atmosphere they have and they can mount something. There's a lot of teams that, like Dallas, can be really good and really bad simultaneously, and it's just who puts what run together. By the way, guys, according to FCD Data Guy on Twitter, who does good stuff, since 2013, July is actually Dallas's third best month of the year. They get they average 1.78 points in July. That's the third best over the course of the season, pretty much always. The rest yeah. of the summer months are all terrible. May, June, August, and September are all utter dog crap. But July, for whatever reason, is almost well, always... Ju- the annual July 4th yeah. game probably doesn't hurt. Yeah, that, I mean, the, yeah. yeah, the record in it, if you take it out, that month is still actually really, really good. But I think that the, probably the boost from that game carries through the month, probably. You know, so it, it is a month where this team actually does pretty well, usually. Hopefully this is going to be similar to that. And I'm not, I just wreck it by giving you that stat. <laughs> well, no, I, 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 no, I think that's a fair comment. And, and certainly my sense of this is, is that we were all very excited and pleased by how the team was performing and exceeding expectations. I don't think it's unfair to say that what we've gotten over the last six games is probably more about where our expectations were, which is this is a young team. This is a team learning to play together under a new coach and, and it's going to be a bumpy ride. I, I just, that's what, I mean, I don't feel like anything that we've seen in any of these games should be a surprise at this point. Maybe the fact that they've got some injury issues at center back uh, is a problem, but that also harkens back to the original conversation before the season is what are they going to do if they start losing center backs? Because the guy they drafted clearly is not very good. And all they've got after that is to And now I I know they brought in Keonis, but he's just kind of a kid himself. He's hurt too. Yeah. He's 20. Yeah. They're definitely thin at center back. They're definitely a little thin. I mean, thin in defense across the board. I mean, who's Farfan's backup. Right. I mean, I think Parker is going to be phenomenal, but he's a long way from helping you right now. Um, right I back. I thought of that kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been with North Texas full time, which is fine because he's basically like a freshman, you know, in high school, college. That's that's fine. But we're like that, it means if you don't have a backup for Farfan, it's like who's really your right back? That's a mess. You know, Paxson has no backup, as we could tell. I mean, I love Thomas Roberts, but for whatever reason, coaches don't. Like this is like the third coach now that in a row that's like, oh, no thanks, you can go sit on the sideline. Now, obviously, I hope he turns it around and I hope he becomes a factor. But right now, he's not. You know, so you're left with Siki and Cervania, who are both kind of at this point mediocre, despite how much I think Pax Cervania could be. You know, there's definitely some roster thinness at a lot of spots on this team. All right, I'm going to make another point here in a second, but I'm going to jump on the Thomas Roberts thing real quick. Is Thomas even playing with North Texas? No, he's way too good for North Texas. The, the North, listen, uh, MLS Next Pro is terrible. I get that. Yeah, it's but, like there's but no. But isn't that use better than nothing? I don't. I mean, I would have thought maybe, but apparently not, because they don't send anybody down that's not a complete project. Wow. Right. Okay. I mean, there's there's no one down there like there's nobody. They're not sending down like a uh, oh Siki didn't play. We're going to send Siki down. Right. They're not sending down. Nanu to get some minutes you know it's not usl one you could do some of that kind of stuff they would send down khalil would go down and play nicky hernandez would go down and play now they don't even bother 
All right. right. So I mean, it's telling. You just have to look. I mean, that no one said that. Just look at it not happening, and you can tell that that's the case. All right. I want to go back to a point that Dan made a few minutes ago, a couple of times, which is maybe in the front office mind, the goal this season, the championship, the 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 line of success for this team, in Dan and Nico's eyes, or the the mission Nico has been given, which is, dude, just make the playoffs, and. And so as long as they make the playoffs, the fans may not be happy about that, but the club, that's the bar that they set internally. That seems reasonable to me at this point. And if and if whatever kind of up and downs we get over the course of the next few months uh, allows them just to sit in no worse than seventh place and they think that's uh, a victory, then maybe we should all be pretty happy with that considering otherwise. You know why they feel that way? Because of 2010. You remember 2010, Colorado was actually the fifth or sixth place team in the West. And that was the year that they got to bounce to the East because they had a better record than the fourth place team in the East. And then the first place team in the East got upset and Colorado walked all the way to the MLS Cup final and knocked off FC Dallas. And Colorado was like the fifth place team in the West or sixth place team or whatever they were. So since then, they felt like that. Yeah, I have no doubt that in the minds of the Hunts, a family historically owned uh, uh, NFL ownership, they're very much a, hey, you just get in the playoffs, and at that point, it's yeah. all bets are off, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure they definitely feel that way. Um, so I may, I think there's a lot to what Dan had to say about the fact that internally, seventh place is just fine. That's funny, right? You know, I mean, uh, Mark, take the marketing thing, right? For years, it's been, oh, this is fine. It's it's whatever. It gets the job done, and that's that's always been an institutional thing, right? That it's fine, it's whatever. That's it. There's no, there's never any, you know, pride of being the best of anything other than the academy, um, you know, because the academy also can make money. Um, it's it's like the that's so FCD mindset. Mm. Well, you know, it it is possible that you can do that. It's just that this these days when we have the single game knockout and the road MLS is so so difficult. It's like you have to go to the first or second place team's place and win, you know? It's like you have to be able to go to Seattle and win when they're great. Go to LFC and win when they're great. It's like unless you can be good enough over the whole course of the year to get yourself that second round game, your chances of going to it's not like you're upsetting like you're the fifth place team and you're upsetting the fourth place team. You know, you're asking them to ups- upset people on the road two or three games in a row. That's man, that is really hard to do. Not well, saying it can't be done, but man. Well, we're certainly going to get what uh, the goals of this front office are over the course of the next few weeks because the window's yeah. open, right? Yeah, and right, knowing right. that they are thin in several key areas, uh, whether or not they actually bring new bodies in. Uh, I think will be super telling. And again, it's not just bringing bodies in, but are they bringing in super young guys that they hope to convert into sales down the road? Or do they go out and find somebody and trade a for an, an MLS veteran center back that they can actually use immediately? I mean, those those are the those are the going to be the indicators of where the mindset of the club and the front office is at uh, at this point, yeah, because yeah. we I think the I think the issues and the seams are very clear how they handle it over the course of this open window are going to be the real tilt 
telltale sign of how the fans should feel about how that front office is, is managing the rest of the season. Yeah, currently they have two senior open roster spots. They have 18 players. You can carry as many as 20, so you can add two more there if you wanted to. And then depending on how you count loans and various things, they, they kind of have two open reserve spots too, but those spots aren't going to help you win anything. That would be like if you decide you wanted a homegrown or something or, or maybe somebody from North Texas – it was like, oh, that guy can help us for three months. Remember like they did with the center back last year. So the, the two spots you're looking at are the two senior roster spots. So then it comes down to how much cap you have. No one's going to be able to tell me that they know how much cap SC Dallas has because they had so much gam, <laughs> am, tam, whatever, that funny money. You know, they, their cap could just be anywhere on the planet. And you'd have no idea because they can spend so much because they had so much. So. Um, it definitely, to me, looks like there's room to do some things without even getting rid of somebody. So um, that'll also be telling us if they try and use the winner to jettison because then they'll tell you how aggressive they're being. Because if they're in a write-it-out kind of mode and, like, they'll just let some of these contracts expire, you know, or loans expire versus, like, canceling them, that'll also tell you something about their mindset. Well, maybe somebody has a bet in Vegas on how many really good opportunities Frank O'Hara can blow. Oh, my um, God. He's been terrible and, lately. And, yeah. Dan Hunt's got a secret bet, you know, an over and under on 75 <laughs> or something. That'd be funny. <laughs> I mean, there right. have been some times earlier in the year or maybe last year where O'Hara was actually able to convert a few. But, man, of late, he's been absolutely brutal well, with the finishing. Yeah. Uh, so bad. Not good. And and the one thing that he was supposed to be good at, which is uh, aerial balls and and headers and stuff, just all the ones he's just blown over the course of the last two. I swear there was one in Austin that he just uh, looked like an absolute sitter that he just blew it. Um, yeah, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Well, all right, I mean, so Dallas. I'm sorry. What? I was just gonna say, like when you're looking at this roster in terms of the moves, right? How many how many bench options does he this coach really None. have? No, he look, he's got Benny Regents to come yeah. off. I mean, that's the problem, Buzz, yeah. is that you look at the situation last night right. and look what he has to put on the field. He's got Frank O'Hara, who is slow as molasses. He's got Enzebeling, who's, I know, a kid. And yeah. and then, you know, of course he brings on Velasco, but that is a, a thing that we've talked about endlessly unto its own self. Yeah. So he doesn't really have any options. Like what's where's where's Shun? He's not doing anything. Where's where's yeah? Elmet? What happened to that guy? Uh, who knows? Where's Element Carr? Where's Palmer? Not not Palmer. Where's Roberts? We're in the wrong line. Sebling is in the mix. Yes, that's fine. Franco Hart is terrible, but he plays. Kenyon Surreal, whatever. But Parker's not in the mix yet. He's too young. Majoma's not going to play, right? Kenyonas probably would play if he wasn't hurt, but. Um, Barlett's shouldn't be playing, you know, it's like basically like he only has like three or four actual options that he can bring in and start, you know, or come off the bench. Even it's like, there's clearly like this, this roster is so top heavy, a couple of guys in terms of contract, but even just in terms of talent, like the bottom of the roster right now with this coach, I'm not saying like that. I don't think that they're close enough, but the, his behavior says that he doesn't think they're close enough because we never see any of these guys. And that tells you all you need to know about how whether he thinks he can actually use them or not. Well, I certainly get this particular season. I get that old school Pereira, uh, Perea, 
uh, making lemonades out of lemon vibe. Yeah, you yeah, know that yeah. that thing that we all talked about during the Oscar terms, which is this guy. That guy made a ton of hay out of some really really bad rosters. But what I you know again we've said this already. What we're seeing now is just a byproduct of all of the questions we asked about this roster before the season. Yeah. Again, they far exceeded expectations. I don't want to sound like a bummer about it, but. What we're getting now is pretty much what we all should have had and were expecting at the beginning of the season. Yeah, this team looks like now what we thought it was going to look like, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it, yeah. And it's really the last six games that make us say that. And, of course, if they get it all righted, then yeah, and at the end of the July, sure. we're going to be all sunshine and roses. But it doesn't change the fact that these underlying issues on this roster, the three of us have been talking about since January. So none of these things have changed. It's just that now they're a problem when before they weren't a problem. So if it seems like we're beating a dead horse here, it's because, you know, it, it, we reached a point where we said, here's some problems. And now those problems are now rearing their head. So, you know, well, we we're, we're also veterans of watching this club uh, for <laughs> over 25 years. <laughs> yeah. we, we we've seen some variation of the story happen yeah. multiple times. And I, you know, I'm not saying I'm just saying that if they get through the end of July and they have really improved or gone back to where they were pre uh, May, yeah, then that to me would be a surprise. I'm I'm not saying they're going to go on some massive losing streak and tank out to the bottom of the division. But, you know, if they hit 500 over the course of the next four to six weeks, I'd, I'd probably be pretty pleased by that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Anything above 500 would be good. When 4-6 at home, if you get above 500, that's pretty positive. That'll probably get you back into where we feel really good about the chances of going into the playoffs. Maybe not deep, but into the playoffs. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Hell of a All season, right. guys. Yeah. Hell of a season. Hands All right, up, MLS, done. <laughs> MLS Next Cup playoffs have been happening up in uh, Frisco. Weston McKinney's been out cheering on his... Uh, his old club. It's been good scenes. Uh, well, the ups and downs of that particular tournament. Dan, do you would you like to share with us? This is really your turn to shine, buddy. Oh shit! Uh, no, it's, uh, like you say, uh, Weston's been out. Jesus has been out. Gio Reyna's been out. Um, uh, Daddy Reyna's been out. <laughs> uh, I couldn't remember the name. Sorry, Claudio. 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 That's, uh, for some reason, I was nearly said Carlos, and I was like, "That's not right." He used to play for Rangers. I should not like him. Um, no, it's a really good tournament so far. Uh, there's been some great players coming through. Uh, it's been funny seeing MLS has not had the best of runs in some of the age groups. Sixteens, uh, amazingly, they ended up with an all MLS semi final, even though only three of the teams actually have another sixteens this year, uh, which kind of plays into what Buzz mentioned last week about uh, FC Dallas starting a U sixteen team next year. Um, it seems like a, a few of them are doing that because they've currently got 15-year-olds in, uh, in the 17s, kind of sitting on the bench, wasting a bit of time. Yep. You know, uh, FC Dallas plays, uh, well, probably if you listen to this on, on Friday morning, uh, get on YouTube now because uh, the game starts at 9 a.m. Uh, they'll be playing, shit, I forget who. New England. Uh, New, yeah, New England. They beat Wake FC 4-1. Um, Tariq Scott's having a, a great tournament. Knight Pickering's had a couple of uh, weird games, like uh, scoring in the first few minutes and then kind of switching off for uh, for a good bit of it. Um, the showcase is still happening, which the under-17s are now over in, so you can see players like Julian Eyestone, 
uh, and um, ah crud, uh, the kid he plays for Mexico. Oh, Ramirez. Uh, Anthony Ramirez. Yeah, yep. Anthony Ramirez. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's been really exciting. Finals uh, Saturday and Sunday at Toyota Stadium, I believe. That's free to enter. Anyone can come. Uh, I think they're five and seven p.m. games uh, in the stadium itself. And uh, yeah, just you know, if you're uh, if you're in the area, go and watch a couple of games. And uh, if you need to know what's happening, there's my name appearing on the, the league site a lot with a bunch of crappy little recaps. Hard work by Dan Crook. That's why he sounds so tired today. Yeah. Um, all right. So Miami comes to town for the big July 4th festival uh, extravaganza of fireworks. There's a burn ban in Collin County, yet the biggest fireworks display <laughs> <laughs> uh, in North Texas will be happening after the game. Uh, Wait, so is that why they had you... to change the team name to FC Dallas? It's a burn joke, Peter. Oh, Aww. sorry. I yeah. get it. It oh. was kind of not funny, but <laughs> I imagined all of the. I wonder if anybody listening to the pod could actually see the actual question mark that formed over my head here in my office. I saw it. Yeah, I saw oh, it. Yes. Could you yeah. see that? Yeah. <laughs> it was like you could grab it and look at it. Okay. Yes, that's exactly why they changed the name, the Burn Band. Uh, all right. So that's at 8 p.m. In fact, good news all of the games from here on out, home games are 8 p.m. starts. No more. Uh, burning up s- east side stands. They're all behind. The, the oh, sun will yeah, be down so by good. that point. So good. The smartest move of the off season. Um, all right. Anything else we yeah. need to cover, Buzz, before we go? Uh, one little thing. Uh, Dan mentioned Therese Scott, who's having a great tournament. Um, I'm going to have a uh, updated, like, homegrown target kind of list that's going to come out after the tournament's over. But I want to mention Therese Scott because he's he got to play in that Byron World team thing where he went oh, over to yeah. Byron Munich. Yeah. So um, I asked around about it a little bit, and it turns out that Byron asked for Dallas to send somebody. They really wanted a Dallas player, an FC Dallas player, in that thing. Now, mm-hmm. why it ended up being Chariq, I don't know. I don't know whether Byron scouted him or whether FC Dallas thought it would be good for him. I mean, either way, totally awesome opportunity. I think they make a TV show out of that thing. So uh, if we find out when it's going to be on or whatever, I'll try and let people know. But um, super good player. He's in peak form. If you want to watch them uh, Friday morning, by the time you get this podcast, it's probably over. But uh, I saw the I saw the footage of the goal that he scored in that game. I can't remember who it was against, and I, the goal itself wasn't necessarily all that impressive. What was impressive was the height he got when he jumped in the air to celebrate the goal. Did you see how far in the yeah. air that kid jumped? So I was watching, uh, I was watching Sacramento Republic on the next field over at the time. And I heard the cheer, looked over, and all I saw was all the youth players crowding over in that corner, and then just Tariq clear of all of them in the air. And I was like, I s- wow. I swear, he, he must have had two and a half, three feet underneath him when he ju- It was unbelievable how high in the air that kid jumped when he celebrated that goal. It was freakish, is what it was. Yeah, he's – so far in every 19 game I've watched, there's not a defender in the 19 levels that can stop that guy. He just runs really? past everybody. The guy's phenomenal. Uh, I imagine that he might make an appearance on some list I'm making. Where he will be <laughs> is up to maybe you to find out later. But, uh, yeah, the, I think that they're probably going to be favored against the Revs kind of kind of as a home vibe for them because the, the kids will all be out cheering and – 
Um, hopefully they're going to advance to the final. They got a shot to win the 19s, which is pretty awesome because that team, uh, any given game, is starting five U17s in the 19 team. There's five dudes that start usually, and there's another five or so that can be on the bench depending on the game. So, like, at the beginning of the season, they were really terrible, and as they've matured and become better players, they're now really, really good. So it's a great example of how Dallas matures players and advances players and progresses players. Uh, if you get a chance, go see them. It'll be streamed, too. You can just go on the stream. One other right. thing about uh, Tariq, I think it's worth pointing out, because he was doing the, the Bayern World thing, they actually went from Germany, did a tour of Brazil where they played a bunch of the Brazilian uh, teams under 20s, and like he came straight from that to MLS Next Cup. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, games on three continents in a couple of weeks. Hey, Dan, I need you to do me a favor if you're going to be up uh, running around on those fields again uh, while the rest of the tournament's going on. Yeah. Uh, do you ever bump in or see Weston while you're up there? Uh, I mean, McKinney? He's, he's normally around. He's been around okay. there kind of driving around on a golf cart and All jumping right. on the broadcast. We, I'm trying. I, I, like Andy and I are working all of our sources to try to get him to come <laughs> let us do an interview for the kick around. So if you see him, will you help me talk him into coming on the show, please? And in fact, I'm gonna anybody listening to the pod that happens to see Weston, I need as many people to go up to Weston and say, "Hey, the local soccer-specific radio show here on the ticket in Dallas, those guys really like you, and they would love to have you on the show. <laughs> would you please go on the show? Would you help me out with that, Dan?" I, I might, but Philip Buzz is very familiar with his agent and might be a better. Oh. Oh, Harkin, what? Buzz, can you help? Uh, I doubt it. Isn't Corey Gibbs' agent? Yeah. Well, can you put me in touch with Corey, please? I gave you. I got the kids in town. He plays for you. Uh, uh, Yeah, but for I guess last year that didn't work for some reason. I don't think he replied to me. Behind the scenes, presented by yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I just feel like if enough people go up to Weston at this thing and say, hey, by the way, have you thought about going on the kick around? Maybe eventually he'll reply to like a tweet or something. So yeah, there you go. I'm trying to crowdsource uh, this thing. Yeah, yeah. Get the Internet involved. Yeah. Well, uh, good fun, guys. Uh, it'll be better next week. Though It's the July 4th game. They always win the July 4th game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's find out. I probably jinxed it myself. Now, now I'll have to get a tattoo. Mm. By the way, uh, just so you know, Eddie just squeaked by by the yeah. hair on his <laughs> chinny chin chin, and not having to get a new tattoo <laughs> after did. that jinxy tweet yeah. before the Austin game. Still a great and he tweet. He knows it. Yeah. yeah wait, what did he? Tweet. What was the tweet? He tweeted out oh. all of the uh, the, the, I, I the Austin imagery. Like a, okay, I thought you meant that was a tattoo battle or something. No, Peter just said he would have to if he blew it. That's all. No, I said if he jinxed it by putting out that awful tweet, awfully you know creative tweet, uh, then he was going to have to get it tattooed on his other arm. But I got one ta- one last tiny little thing. Antonio Carrera with the with the US U20s. They qualify for the Olympics and all that kind of stuff in the U20 World Cup. Uh, he's the number two keeper for that team, so he played one game. So good for him. He got that opportunity. So it's pretty cool to be and the he's two. And it turns out he's impervious to the karate kick. Yeah, Did you see that arsehole only yeah. got a three-game ban. Oh, I thought he got a six-game ban. There was no, he, he, there was someone got a six, someone got a seven, but he only got three. 
The kid that kicked Antonio only got three games? Yeah. I mean, the dude went flying through the air karate style. Mortal Kombat yeah. style. All right, whatever. I bet you can get Antonio for your kick around show. He got the same bang Cade Cowell did for asking about getting away. Yeah, that's not no. I want Weston. Weston is physically (laughs) in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I know. It just makes no sense that he's not on the kick around. Now we're not on this Saturday because it's July Fourth weekend. But I bet he's here through the following week. And I'll hell, I'll go. I'll go record an interview with him wherever it needs to happen. Like, well, I just can't up. get anybody to help me to figure it out. Come on to the game tomorrow, 9 a.m. Yeah, maybe that's what's going to have to happen. I'll just have to he'll, ambush him. He'll <laughs> Am- ambush him when uh, Juventus play Barcelona in a cotton ball. Well, that's the other <laughs> option is to wait till when Juventus comes and work through the Juventus people. But, Christ, he's a Dallas kid. He's here in town. Why can't I just, you know, get him on the stupid show? It just seems so ridiculous that this yeah. is difficult to get done with all the people. <laughs> so I'm going to turn to the good the good pod listener recruit yep. their help here alright Dan thank you very much sir um, uh, go back to working on your uh, fake marriage <laughs> uh, honestly I have I have papers I'm legal in this country yeah. oh okay marriage, sorry yeah. oh I thought it was shh don't quit saying that buzz it's not supposed to anybody's supposed to know that I oh, know this is Mo again reminding you that third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90 Celebrate the 4th of July with the new FC Dallas Americana pre-match top from Adidas or one of the new era Americana hats available now on Soccer90.com. In addition to the new FC Dallas gear, check out the latest Dallas burn gear from Mitchell and Ness. Shop Soccer90.com for all your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. And remember, 3rd Degree The Podcast listeners get 20% off their order when you use the code 3rd Degree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Buzz, thank you, sir. Good stuff today. Sorry about the losses. Oh, thanks, the not, thanks. The, not the wins. The, the not wins. The not wins. Uh, which ones are you talking about? But hey, thank you for hosting. Austin, Austin and... Uh, Austin oh, the FC Dallas and, ones. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. They only I'm, I'm relishing the 19s making a run. I couldn't believe it. I'm excited. All right. And well, if they lose against Miami, we'll just do nothing but talk about how the uh, academy teams are winning. How about yes. that? Yep. Is that the agreement? Yeah. It won't happen. July 4th. Dallas always wins July 4th. All right. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week after a July 4th win. Stamp it uh, and uh, write it in stone uh, on Third Degree, the podcast. Somebody get Weston. Third Degree. Third degree net pocket. Third degree, the third degree net pocket. Third degree, the third degree net pocket. Third degree, the third degree net pocket.